Word of God, as we find it written in Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, reading there in the second chapter, beginning at the sixth verse. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Dear friends in Christ Jesus, this is a beautiful winter morning, isn't it? I see the sun is shining. We've had our snow. And I hope that all of us are glad that we are here in God's house and that we have the privilege of worshiping him. And I do hope that you feel at home. You have heard me mention that today is the second Sunday after Epiphany. As we realize it hasn't been long ago that we celebrated the Epiphany Festival, the festival of the wise men. We also, as you know, went down to Bethlehem, and we again celebrated the birthday of Jesus. And to us who have been to Bethlehem, Paul, by inspiration of God, has something to say to us this morning about the Word of God. We find these words taken from Paul's first letter to the congregation at Corinth in Greece, a congregation that you remember he established on his second missionary journey. And in writing to those Christians at Corinth, he tells them about the word of God. He says, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world for our glory. You may say, what was he saying to them? He was saying, listen, Corinthian Christians, the word that we preach to you, it is the wisdom of God that was hidden, it was secret, it was covered up, and then God revealed it. It was wisdom that God designed from the beginning of time for our glory. In other words, he was saying, listen, Corinthians, the word of God is no less than wisdom for our glory. It's wisdom for our good. It's wisdom for our eternal welfare that God has revealed to us from heaven. It is not wisdom of this earth. It is not wisdom that come from the princes of this world, from the intellectuals. Paul says the word of God, it's no less than wisdom for our good that God has unveiled that had its origin in heaven. 
It came down to us from heaven. You and I may say this morning, I'd like to believe that the word of God is wisdom, that God has revealed from heaven for our good, for our glory, for our eternal welfare. But we may say that's a difficult thing to believe. You mean to say this truth, that the word of God, that this is wisdom for our good, that had its origin in the mind of God, that originated in heaven, it didn't originate here on earth, that there is a heavenly touch about this wisdom that earthly wisdom doesn't have. This is what Paul's saying. We may say to ourselves, I'd like to believe that, that this is wisdom from heaven, wisdom for my eternal good, that it came out of heaven, that it originated in the mind of God. But we may say, is there any evidence in the word of God that this is what it is? Is there any proof of it? Is there any markings as regards the word of God that this actually originated in heaven, that God unfolded it to us? It was his secret hidden, absolutely covered up wisdom that God made known for our good. And we may say, well, if it is true that this is wisdom that originated in heaven, then we ought to be able to look at it and to say that it must be wisdom that is so unique. It must be wisdom that is absolutely so unusual. It must be wisdom that is so different that it must tell us something that you and I would never know of ourselves if we live to be a million apart from the Word of God. We can rightfully say, all right, Word of God, if you claim to be wisdom for my eternal good from heaven, tell me something I don't know. You tell me something that I don't know and no one else would ever know if they live to be a million. What is so unique and so exclusive about this wisdom of that Word of God you claim that originated in heaven? We may say, Paul, you've got to prove that I'm from Missouri. You've got to prove to me that the Word of God is wisdom for my good that originated in heaven, that it did not originate in the minds and in the intellects of human beings. And Paul is ready to do it because Paul says this, I want you to know this about this word of God, which is wisdom from heaven, that I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him and that God has revealed. He quotes from the Old Testament. He says, don't you know that the word of God is so unique that this is wisdom from heaven because your eyes would never have seen what you can see, your ears would never have heard what you have heard, and it would never ever come into your heart. It would be unthinkable. It would be undreamable if God had not revealed this wisdom from heaven. So what we want to do this morning, in all honesty, we want to say, all right, Paul, if you want to tell me that God's word is no less than wisdom for my good that originated in heaven, that it came down from heaven, and you want to tell me that it has all the unique marks and the characteristics and the proof of that, tell me something I don't know. And in the first place, Paul says, all right, here is something I want to tell you that the word of God gives us as regards wisdom from heaven that you'd never know if you lived to be a million apart from the word of God and no one else would ever know. And it's this. The Word of God reveals this wisdom for your good and mine, that our God is one God and yet three persons of glorious God. He's worthy of noting and worthy of having. You may say, what does the Word of God offer me that is so exclusive that I find 
finding nowhere else in all the world apart from the word of God. What wisdom for my good? It is this. In the word of God alone, God reveals that he is one God and yet three persons. You and I may say, well, I would feel myself that I would know that there's one God. But God says, did you ever dream in the fondest imagination of your heart that I am one God and yet three persons? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And you and I say, wait a minute, God. You sound like you're three gods. God says, no. Here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. You and I may say, how can you be one God and three persons, separate and distinct, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and all three of you are distinct? And then you and I look up and we say, God, you are incomprehensible. What kind of a God would you and I want if he were not incomprehensible, that you and I couldn't understand his nature? And then you and I look at him and we say, all right, word of God, give me some wisdom for my good about you, God. And God's a glorious God. God says that he is eternal. He is without beginning, without ending. In other words, God says, I'm the only God. I am from everlasting before time began. I am a God who has all power in heaven and in earth. God says, there isn't anything I can't do. I'm never up against a stone wall. I want you to know that I'm that kind of a God. And God reveals himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He says, and I am a God. I know all things. I understand your needs even better than you do. I know all about you. And God says, I am a God of perfect wisdom. I never make any mistakes in your life. What I do is always best. I never do anything second best. I am a God. I'm everywhere present at the same time. I am all over all of me at the same time and you and I say that's incomprehensible but oh what a God that he's with everybody he's in Vietnam too as he's with us this morning and God says I'm a holy God I don't sin I never do anything wrong I am a God that abhors sin I am holy and perfect and you and I say that's the kind of a God I want but we'd never know that if God hadn't said it and God says I am a righteous God I am a fair God. I play no favorites. There is no one that has an inside track. All men are equal in my sight. And you and I say, that's the kind of a God. But you'd never know that if you and I hadn't come in contact with the word of God. And God says, I am a God of love. And oh, that's tremendous. The only God that has ever spoken that he loves you and me. He's a God. He says, I'm not bloodthirsty. I'm not after revenge. I am not out after punishment. I love you with an everlasting love. You're the apple of my eye. You and I say, oh, what that means for my eternal welfare. And God says, I'm reliable. You can trust me. I'm trustworthy. We say to ourselves, what would I never know if I didn't have the word of God? When Paul says, listen, the word of God, it's no less than wisdom for our good that has originated in heaven. And you and I say, tell me something I don't know. That's something that no one in the world would ever know if he had not come in contact with the word of God. You and I would never know it if we lived to be a million apart from it. And also, therefore, it gives us this exclusive information and news from heaven for our good that God would a million times rather see you and me saved than to be lost. As I live, saith the Lord, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked man turn from his way and live. You and I can say, oh, what a God. God, again, he has a magnificent obsession. God is magnificently insane. God is hopelessly and perfectly insane. What a God. He'd rather save you and me than damn you and me. It makes that much difference. A million times would rather save. What a God. Magnificently obsessed. Magnificently with a hang-up. God said, I'd a million times rather save you than have to destroy you. Paul would look at you and me today and say, you find that 
in any other wisdom of the earth. You find that in any other intellectual wisdom. And because he speaks to us about the word of God and says, listen, the word of God is no less than wisdom for our good that originated in heaven. This came down from heaven. And it's got all the marks and all the proofs and all the earmarks because it reveals wisdom for our good that you and I would never dream of. Our eyes would never otherwise have seen or our ears ever heard. It would never ever enter into the heart of a man. This is the word of God from heaven. When you and I can believe that this morning, then we ought to determine to say, not only am I going to believe that the word of God is God's revelation from heaven that came out of heaven, but I'm also going to believe another truth that the word of God says about itself, that God saw to it that this revelation was written down by inspiration. Paul, when he wrote to the Corinthians, he says, which things we preach, he said, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teaches. He says, when I declare the word of God, these are the words of the Holy Spirit. In other words, the Holy Spirit had something to do superintending his words. And you and I say, what about this word of God? It was the Holy Spirit who knew the mind of God who had men write it down. We talk about inspiration. He breathed his spirit into men. The New Testament was not written at this time. Paul was writing it. And yet there was a consciousness on the part of Paul that as he wrote even this letter to the Corinthians, that he was being guided and superintended by the Holy Spirit. We believe in the eternal inspiration of the Word of God, that the Holy Spirit watched over men, that what they wrote, they wrote without mistake, and they wrote the Word of God. Today in the church, the doctrine of the inspiration, the verbally inspired word of God is being attacked. There are men that are saying the Bible is no different than any other book, and therefore you can put the same criticism to it as you can to any other thing, that these are the writings of men. And therefore they can very easily say that the miracles of Jesus didn't really happen. He didn't turn water into wine. This is what one man thought as he wrote, trying to show us the majesty of Jesus. You see, that brings up a lot of things if it was not superintended by the Word of God and by the Holy Spirit. When Paul says it's the Holy Spirit who again unites spiritual words with spiritual wisdom the spirit guided them how he did it we don't know each man retained his own personality each man had his own vocabulary but the Holy Spirit watched that what was written down was the Word of God this wisdom for our good that God had revealed from heaven that we'd have a record of it but when you lose that then we go back to the Old Testament and we say when God made man and he called him Adam was Adam a real man there are those that are saying no he wasn't he sort of stands for humanity was Abraham a real man? Was Noah a real man? Did Job really live? There are those who are saying, "Why, uh, you, these are mythological things that you can reinterpret. Uh, the big thing is the truth, that it's sort of like this when we talk about a Paul Bunyan or we talk about Smokey the Bear or we talk about Peanuts or we talk about Charlie Brown. But when the Spirit of God moved men to write, if Adam wasn't a real man and Noah wasn't a real man and Abraham wasn't real and Isaac and Jacob were not real, then the next question is, was Jesus of Nazareth real? Did he live? And if he didn't live, well, then there's nothing left, is there? Then there is nothing left. But again, the word of God attests this. Not only is its word divinely revealed from heaven for our good, but that the Holy Spirit superintended its writing, that we can thank God and say, 
the word of God. It's different from the words of men. Uh, this again was the hidden word of God. It was hidden wisdom, wisdom that God had covered up, but which God chose to make known. It originated in heaven and it's got the earmarks. There are things that you and I would never know for our good. If God hadn't chosen to reveal it, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him if God didn't make it known. Then you and I can have this joy of saying, thank God that God spoke, that we've got something from heaven, and thank God he wrote it down. But you've got the right to go and take a look at it, and so have I. We talk about the word of God. What does Paul have to say to the Corinthians about? What did he think about it? He tells him again, he says, the word which we brought you, he said, what is this? Is the wisdom of God in the mystery. It was secret. It was hidden. It was covered up. But he said, it was something that God ordained before the world ever was created. And he says, then God revealed it for our glory, for our good. And he's saying in so many words to you and me, listen, if you want to know what we believe about the word of God, it's no less than wisdom for our good that God absolutely revealed from heaven. It originated there and Paul says it's got every year, Mark, and you and I say, all right, tell me something I don't know. Tell me something that no man, I care not how intellectual he may be, knows, except he has come in contact with the word of God or somebody has told him who did. And Paul, in the second place, would remind you and me that here is this unique wisdom that came out of heaven for our good that you and I would never know if it were not for the word of God, and that is that God sent Christ into the world to be our Savior. What would I never know apart from the word of God? I'd never know that Jesus was God the Son. You don't find Christ on trees. You don't find him in the clouds or in the rainbow. You find him in the eternal word. God has revealed this from heaven that he was his son who came into the world out of the ivory palaces and was born of the virgin. He became man at Christmas time. He was the true God man and he came to the world to die to be our savior. He came to bear our guilt and our punishment on the cross. This was the tremendous revelation. This was the tremendous wisdom that God made known in his Son, that he was the one who came and took on himself our guilt and our punishment, and on the cross bore hell and damnation for you and me. This is something no man would know. I remember talking to a Hindu one day. He was Oxford trained. He was a scholar. A group of us asked him the question, whatever caused you to change and to turn from Hinduism to Christianity? And he stood there erect and he said for this reason that he says Hinduism doesn't have a Christ and it doesn't have a cross. There is no Savior. There is no Calvary in any other religion on the face of the earth. This is wisdom for our good because he died and took the rap for you and me on Calvary. And thus again, it brings this exclusive wisdom that you and I wouldn't know if we lived to be a million apart from the word of God, that he has provided deliverance from hell and the blessing of eternal life for you and me and for all men. We've got a Christ. This word came down from heaven, and it's got all the earmarks. It's got unique news. It's got absolutely news that is simply so exclusive and it is so different that you and I have got to say to ourselves, if it didn't come out of heaven, where did it come from? Jesus Christ alone exists in the Word. When you and I know that and we have life and eternal salvation in him, then we can say, this did come out of heaven. 
This word is different. It's not the wisdom of man. It isn't the knowledge. It isn't the truth of men of this world or the princes or the intellectuals. No, this is exclusive wisdom. It came out of heaven. And if this morning you and I can say, I can believe that because it has all the earmarks, then we ought to also determine to believe this. Well, that truth that is revealed from heaven is just as true as truth that can be demonstrated here on earth. You see, here is our problem. Individuals will say to me, I can't believe in God because I can't see him. This is the scientific approach to things. Scientific coming from the Latin word skill to know. God knows there's nothing wrong with the scientific approach to truth. Nothing wrong in the world. The scientist said, I want to know. And the only way I can know it's got to be something that I can demonstrate. I've got to be able to prove it. I've got to be able to see it or to taste it or to touch it or to smell it. God knows science has done a great deal. We'll put a man on the moon. I stand in littleness for the things that the scientist has discovered that are truth and that are fact. That you can put a man in a bubble and send him to the moon and figure it out to the very second and how many miles it is and how fast it's going to go. You can take these things and put them in a computer. You can put them on the moon and bring them back. That's demonstrable proof and truth. Nothing in the world wrong with that. But the thing that you and I have got to watch is this, to know that there is another avenue to truth. In the very nature of the case, the scientific approach, you've got to show me. I've got to see it can't be applied to religious truth because God is a spirit. And in the very nature of the thing, if God were to reveal himself to you and me, he'd have to take the form of some kind. What would you want? A great power, a great light? Would you want the light that goes along with an atomic bomb that would blow you and me to bits? In the very nature of the case, God says, here is truth that you can't arrive at by scientific investigation, which is not demonstrable. I'll tell you truth. And the basis of this kind of revealed truth is this. Is it unique? Does it have the earmarks of heaven? If it does, then this is truth just as much as any demonstrable truth that you and I can find. We ought to stand and say, no, I haven't seen God. Well, that doesn't prove that God doesn't exist, but I can see him here. What does God say about himself? God says, I tell you things about myself and my son that your eye would never have seen, your ear would never have heard, that would never enter your heart. Then you and I must stand and say, if that didn't come out of heaven, if that isn't true, then where did it come from? Again, revealed truth is just as truthful, just as reliable, as demonstrable proof. And there is no conflict. Sometimes we say, what's the conflict between science and religion? When it comes to science being purely demonstrable, there isn't any. When science becomes philosophical, philosophical and becomes a philosophy of life, then you may have some trouble. Bear in mind, men talk about evolution. Is this contrary to Scripture? Bear in mind, even the scientist says it's a theory. Well, that again, one thing has grown in this phylogenetic tree, that one species from another. And on the anniversary of Darwinism, two great scientists said this, that we still haven't found one link from one kind of a species to the other. And if there is a connection, it had to be a jump from one species to the other that was instantaneous. We have no missing links. 
Rather strange. The Word of God says creation is instantaneous too. I wonder if we aren't coming pretty close together. When some of our leading scientists are saying it would have to be instantaneous, it's still a theory. We have no definite demonstrable proof of, again, as you go up the phylogenetic tree with higher forms of life of any linkage from one species to the other, cats and dogs still don't mix, do they? They still don't procreate with one another. So again, we come to this. When you and I can realize that, then we can say, thank God he revealed truth to us. Just as reliable, just as firm as two and two make four. What is truth, Jesus says, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And I think I'll believe him. I believe that revealed truth is just as absolutely certain as two and two make four. Two avenues of truth. Therefore, I haven't seen God. But I know that God lives because he tells me something about himself and about my Savior that I'd never know. It had to come out of heaven because it doesn't insult my intelligence. We say to Paul this morning, tell me something I don't know. You say this, that the word of God is wisdom for my good that has been uncovered from heaven. Paul says yes. Because it's got all the earmarks. It had to come out of heaven. You and I said, tell me something I don't know. No one else would know. If I didn't come in kind of with the word of God, and Paul said, that's easy. He reminds you and me in the third place that our God has assured us that through faith in Christ, you and I are saved, not by any achievement on our part or not by any merit. You find that in any other religion, if you will. Go, you can spot a man-made religion as far as you can see it. Every man-made religion says you've got to be good to be saved. You've got to teach your neighbor right. You've got to live with the light you have. You've got to earn it. You've got to achieve it. But here is wisdom that says, oh, no. God says, I give it to you. My son on the cross, he paid the bill in full. He merited a 100% righteousness for the world. And I give you that in the moment in your life when you believe in him. And you can take that righteousness. And when you have that, it is not something you can achieve. It's a gift. When you repent of your sins and when you believe, you have the perfect righteousness of my son. You find that in any other religion. And if that didn't come out of heaven, then I want to know where did it come from. And this exclusive, tremendously good news, that means that salvation, eternal life, is ready for you and me right now. You don't have to wait ten seconds from now. It's ready now. Not a half an hour from now. Not tomorrow. Not next week. The word of God says, here is wisdom. Christ reaches down and says, if you just say, Lord, save me, you're saved. Right now, Jesus said, I don't care who you are. I don't care what you are. I don't care what you've done. When you call to me and say, save me, you're saved. You find that in any other way. And I may say, that's comfort, isn't it? Therefore, what does it mean today when we look at the Word of God? It's about time in our 20th century where we're looking back at it and we're saying, what is it? Paul says, you want to know what it is? It's no less than the wisdom of God for our good that God unveiled from heaven. Got all the earmarks and the character you had to come out of heaven. It's just as true as two and two make four because, again, it tells you and me something for our good that we'd never know. Therefore, we ought to say this today. What well, I say, I'm going to believe that the word of God is wisdom for my good. It's come out of heaven. It has every mark. It has every characteristic of it. It has absolutely every proof of it. And therefore, I'm going to will to believe that it's true, and I'm going to stake my life on it. Paul did. 
You know, sometimes in our thinking, I want to, you know, we talk about Peter, the poor fisherman. Now, he was a fisherman, and as far as we know, Peter was an uneducated man. And sometimes we draw the conclusion that because Peter was an uneducated man, nothing against him, he was a great guy. We also draw the conclusion that Paul was an uneducated man. I'd like to disabuse you of that. Do you realize that Paul was one of the intellectual giants of his day? Paul says, I was born up in Tarsus in Cilicia. And he said, I went to school, I went to college in Jerusalem, and I sat at the feet of Gamaliel. Boy, when you mention Gamaliel, you'd better stand up and bow. Gamaliel was the greatest teacher in Jerusalem at the time. President Warren Harding's father and mother must have thought a lot of him too. You may not know it. But when they named that son Warren, they called him Warren Gamaliel Harding. Yeah, they named him after the one of the greatest scholars in Jerusalem. Did you know that Paul sat at his feet? He was an intellectual giant. Don't you ever list him with the ignoramuses of the world. He wasn't just a poor fisherman. He was an intellectual of the first rank. Don't you kid yourself. And yet this man who sat at the feet of a Gamaliel, he opened his heart to the word of God and he said this is no less than wisdom that has come out of heaven. Why? Because, again, it had all the earmarks. This was truth from God. And he believed it. And he put his faith and his trust in Jesus Christ. When he went to Rome and they had him in jail for two years and they let him out and then they rearrested him and he stood there and I stood at the place in Rome where traditionally they said he gave up his life and he stood there and they said, are you going to continue to put your faith in this Jesus of Nazareth? If you are, we're going to cut your head off. And if you recant and do away with it, you can live. And Paul said, I'm going to die for him. I'm sure. I know whom I have believed. And am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. And he laid his head on the block and his head rolled from his shoulders because one of the intellectual giants of the first century believed this. This word of God is different. This came out of heaven. This reveals a Christ. A way of salvation that's tremendous. And again, he staked his life on it. It's rather strange this morning as you look up at the altar. And it's rather strange here we've got some bread up here and some wine. Oh, if you're not a Christian, you know, that, that's ridiculous. What in the world are you people putting bread in? What's the matter? Did you eat any breakfast? Can't you eat at home? Are you hungry? But you and I say, wait a minute. We've got some wisdom from heaven, from the risen Lord, who took bread one night and said, take and eat, this is my body. He took wine one night and he said, take and drink, this is my blood. You and I say, well, who would ever dream such a thing? And Paul, that you don't misunderstand it, Paul says, that bread which we break communicates and brings you Christ's body. And that wine that you drink, it communicates to you Christ's blood. And you and I say, I'd live to be a million, I'd never know that. Talk about heavenly wisdom. Christ says, 
that bread and that wine, when you receive it in my name, it will bring you my body and my blood. The body and the blood, I, the living Christ, that gave on the cross that opened up heaven. And when you get my body and my blood, if you aren't saved, nobody's saved. And he says, you come as a poor sinner. Angels don't come. I just want sinners. Here are two tremendous erasers. This is wisdom from heaven. You'd never dream it if you lived to be a million. Here is my body and my blood, and when you die, get it by means of bread and wine, that then erases from your soul and mine every dirty, damnable thing that we've ever done. And it erases it and obliterates it from the mind of God forever. That this morning you and I can stand here and we can say, God has obliterated from his mind forever every dirty, stinking thing that I've ever done. He never remembers it again. You and I can stand as though we had never sinned. Believe you me, that's revelation. That's what it means. And you and I can go down to our house justified. We can go down and we can say, I don't care what's going to happen. Everything's all right. God has obliterated from his mind everything that I've ever done that's wrong. I can forgive myself. I stand before God as though I'd never sinned. Then you and I can say, one thing I'm sure of, and all the insecure things in this world, this word of God, it's wisdom from heaven, and I'm assured of salvation in Jesus because this is truth. We can sing blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation purchased by God, born of the Spirit, washed in his blood. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Why? Because this is wisdom of God that came down from heaven. I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him and which God has made known. Amen. The peace of God which passeth all human understanding keep and unite your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.